You're listening to Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life. Podcasts about living with more joy, grace, and zip. Being more in your true, authentic self, having more energy, and feeling good physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. We also strive to be entertaining as well as educational. We'll be interviewing experts in the field of health and well being, sharing with you our knowledge and experience to help you. Eat better, feel better, do better, and have a more positive outlook on life. Sounded good to be true? Maybe possible? Well then, you're in the right place. Hey everybody, Janine here. Welcome to my podcast. If this is your first time listening, I want to thank you for stopping in. Keeping It Real with Janine is produced every two weeks for your enjoyment. Show notes and links to guests can be found on our website, realjanine.com. Come back often and please subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You're listening to Episode 2, and I'm excited to be interviewing Janie Bothorp, author of Stop the Thyroid Madness. Okay, so... Let's get into the show and have some fun and learn something. Hi, Janie. Welcome to Keeping It Real with Janine. Hi, I am very glad to be here. Well, you have no idea how glad I am to have you here. Um, Everyone, Janie Bothorp has spent years as one of the most well-known and heartfelt thyroid patient advocates fighting for better thyroid care. She has a unique focus, reported patient experiences and the wisdom gained from those experiences, as opposed to strong opinions or courting the medical establishment. Like millions worldwide, Janie was a 20-year victim of poor treatment with T4-only meds and the use of the TSH lab test, only to have a miraculous turnaround with the use of natural desiccated thyroid. This propelled her to represent patients worldwide, totally based on their experiences. StopTheThyroidMadness.com is the top thyroid website on the net. It's a comprehensive resource that includes patient discussion groups. Janie's two books, Stop the Thyroid Madness and Stop the Thyroid Madness 2, have become a lifeline for those with thyroid and adrenal imbalances. Janie, thank you so much for being on my podcast. I'm really grateful for all you've done to raise awareness of hypothyroidism. It's something I've been struggling with for over 15 years. And you know, as a nurse and avid researcher, I considered myself to be pretty knowledgeable about the issues surrounding hypothyroidism. But your book and website have hugely been important in helping me figure out this incredibly complex subject and why I've been feeling so crappy and exhausted for the last four years. So I really want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. You're welcome. So I think a good place to start is, you know, what brought you to write the book Stop the Thyroid Madness? And um, also, what's the difference between the two books? Well, actually, this didn't start with the books. This started because I spent 20 years in hell on Synthroid, always told that my problems were not my thyroid. And as I kept going through those 20 years, I was getting worse and worse, still being told it was not my thyroid. And I knew after that many years, really probably after 17 years, that I had to do some research on my own. 
and this was not when there was strong internet. There was some, you know, it was it was there, and um, but I did a lot of research on my own, and finally found out that all along there was a different medication, and I found a doctor to put me, well, a nurse practitioner to put me on it. Um, then I had to get a second one to let me raise it because I knew that wasn't enough, and I my life changed. I mean, majorly. So. It wasn't the books that started out. It was, okay, I got to talk to people. I got to let the world know what I went through because I was suspicious if I went through that, there's a lot of other people going through this. So I started a Yahoo group. That's what was you know, you know, more active than Facebook at the time. That's what it started with. Um, I started this Yahoo group and oh my God, people started joining left and right. And we started talking. And that's where it started. And and people were ticked off, you know, and wanting to know more about this. And so the, 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 the book only came later that in that group, um, we realized as a growing body of thyroid patients, and it was international in that group, that something is seriously wrong with the medical establishment. And you said it brilliantly just then. I never thought of it, that the medical establishment thinks they know it all about thyroid. They believe in their training. They believe in what they're doing, but they were, they are still and were dead wrong. And we were all proving it. So because they were so wrong in those early years, we knew that we had to figure a lot out by ourselves. We had to take some risk in our treatment. We tried to do as much research as we can. And man, we started learning so much. That is what led to the first book. Um, but, 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 excuse me, but the website came first. See, it was, it was talking and talking and talking. Then I realized in December of 2005, really in the fall, okay, we've learned so much. I need to reach a bigger audience. That's where I started developing the Stop the Thyroid Madness movement, the name. And the website first went up in December of 2005. And then I started adding to it and adding to it and adding to it. And then I started getting requests. You need to put this in book form. And so that's what led to the first book. So that was in 2008, but it had to be revised pretty quickly. I had it revised by 2011. The difference between the two books are the following. The first book, um, which is we're going to talk about the 2011 book, because it's so much more updated than the 2008 book. The 2011 book is, is the one that I, when I refer to the revised Stop the Thyroid Madness book, that's what I'm going to always be referring to, the 2011 edition. Um, what it was is exactly what the website is. It was a compilation of reported patient experiences and the wisdom that we've gained from those reports. That's what it's about. It has some of the website in it. It has things that are not on the website. That was purposeful. The reason I did it that way is because there are there's some information that I have felt like people need to be responsible about. And I felt like they could be more responsible with it if it was in a book, in their home, and in the doctor's office. So the second book, which uh, just came out two years ago, that came out because though I knew that all this information from Stop the Thyroid Madness was starting to change the way doctors practice, I needed a book that proved to them that this information could also come from the, from the pen of their colleagues. So I contacted different medical practitioners 
and said, would you be interested in writing about this or this or this? Because I knew where they might be good, even though they may not be good in other areas. And they agreed. So the STEM 2 book, every chapter is contributed um, by a medical pra uh, practitioner, underscoring that, hey, they get it too. So that's the difference. Great, great. And both books are really valuable. There's so much, it's not, um, how do I want to say it? it it's not a repeat. Um, I've read both books and both books have different information that isn't in the other one. You know, I really wonder why so many people are misdiagnosed with low thyroid. I've talked to so many women, especially, but some men, um, who are sure they have low thyroid. Uh, they go to their doctor, usually uh, a regular MD, their general practitioner will test TSH, that's thyroid stimulating hormone, and T4, and the tests will come back probably low normal, uh, but but in the normal range, and so they they tell their their patient that they're fine. There's nothing wrong with their thyroid. They're feeling depressed. They're feeling crappy, and oftentimes I've heard people end up on antidepressants, which is totally inappropriate. Um, why? What I, I is so prevalent. We have an idea. Um, number one, it, it all starts with their training, their medical school training. Um, the first problem is they're taught that a lab test called the TSH is the gold standard of diagnosis and treatment. And they, they have a strange, strong reliance on lab tests and their ranges. The TSH lab test, yes, is supposedly measuring the, the messenger hormone released by your pituitary. That's the hormone that stimulates the thyroid to produce. So they, they wrongly and harmfully decide that if that's in the quote unquote normal range, you can't be hypothyroid. But again, this is where patient experiences come in. We have seen repeatedly that a person can have raging hypothyroid symptoms, yet a normal TSH. So we knew that's a, that's a wrong way to do it. And those of us that finally do have a high TSH, we've probably been hypothyroid for a couple of years because it stays normal for so long. The second problem is what we think is the uh, medical community's over-reliance on ranges. Now, we, as we understand it, a facility will, will somehow secure volunteers how, how, you know, 100, 200, we don't know, it's different. They will test them all. Uh, we understand that some of them throw out the lowest result, the highest result, and they come up with this normal range. Well, in reality, normal doesn't mean you're great. It doesn't mean, it just means that these 100 people range from here to here. That doesn't mean they weeded out people without a problem. Again, how do we know that? Because oodles of patient reports and observations showed us that no, it's about where you fall in those ranges that means something, not that you fall in those range. They're not trained that way. They're trained that if you fall in that range, you're normal. And the third problem related to what you asked about, which is, you know, there's people that are hypothyroid and they don't seem, doctors don't seem to get it. 
it also occurs when they're put on T4 only. Synthroid is a brand. That is only one of five hormones. And what happens to many people, either from the beginning, like me, or later down the line, is they start manifesting hypothyroid symptoms. But the doctor is trained that the TSH is the gold standard. They are trained that Synthroid adequately treats your hypothyroidism, so they don't pay attention to a clinical presentation of continued hypothyroidism. Got it. And I know from my experience, a few years ago, my naturopath wanted me to go off of my T3 to see if I was converting T4 into T3. And I begged him not to do it, especially because it was winter and I knew I'd put on weight and I knew what would happen. And sure enough, I still haven't taken off all the weight because I don't convert well. So let's let's talk a little bit about about converting T4 into T3 and how important that is. I want to correct something that you, you just said. Okay. There's a lot of people that think they don't convert well. Um, they actually do convert well. They're just converting to RT3. That's still converting well. And you have to f figure out, number one, am I converting to too much RT3? And number two, why? And to treat that. Now, on, on the other side of the coin, it is true that as the body ages, yes, we don't convert as well. So that's all the more reason why we need to look at an alternative treatment. Um, so I wanted to, to talk about those two things. You may be converting fine. So everybody has to look at what is my body doing? Am I converting to too much RT3? What are the causes of converting to too much RT3? As we have observed, the two main ones, there are many, but the two main ones are having a cortisol problem, which is common for thyroid patients, and having low iron. We tend to convert to RT3 in those instances. Thus, if we correct those and know what it means to correct them, it isn't just about getting them in range, that RT3 goes down. So and then, then the second thing is a lot of people, as they age, they cannot subsist on T4 only, which is meant to convert to T3. It doesn't convert as well. So did I, I forget, did I answer the question? Yes, you did. Um, why don't you tell our listeners in case they don't know, because I even had a practitioner who didn't know what reverse T3 was. So what is our T3 and does our body use it or what happens to it? Start off, let me explain that a healthy thyroid produces five known hormones. It produces T4, which is a storage hormone meant to convert to T3. A healthy thyroid produces some direct T3 that's not dependent upon T4 converting. It converts uh, to T2, T1, and calcitonin, five hormones. Well, it also happens to be that your body can convert T4, the storage hormone, to RT3, the inactive hormone. Everybody in their life makes some RT3. For example, if you get the flu or if you are bodily injured in an accident, your body decides, okay, I don't want to use my energy to keep the metabolism up. I need to use my energy to heal this person. So to do that, it turns T4 into more and more RT3, which lowers the metabolism. You become hypothyroid when you have the flu. It's secondary. You become hypothyroid when you um, are in an accident because your body is wanting to put more energy on healing, trying to heal you. 
So that's normal. But here's what happens to thyroid patients. Um, if they get an adrenal problem, which is common because of poor treatment or going a long time without being treated, the body is going to respond by increasing the RT3. So you get worse, um, or, you know, like the, the cortisol or the iron problem. So a lot of us get a cortisol problem and or an iron problem because of being undiagnosed or poorly treated. So and, and it doesn't go away like it will go away with the flu. You're going to get you're going to get over that, hopefully, or you're going to heal from your accident. That RT3 will go away. It doesn't go away for us if we have those problems. Got it. That really uh, a light bulb went off for me. I didn't understand how. Uh, how we make more reverse T3 when we're not feeling well. So thank you very much. You know, I'm pretty sure everyone knows that we all have adrenal glands, but I don't think most people know what the adrenals do. And how does adrenal fatigue fit into the whole thyroid puzzle? Okay, let me tell you what we've, we've observed in each other. You know, we know that our adrenals produce cortisol, and cortisol has a lot of purposes. One is to help you cope with life better. You know, like if your neighbor comes over every day and yells and screams at you, you're going to produce more cortisol to help you cope with your neighbor. Um, the cortisol also plays a role in your immune function. There's many things it does. Now, what happens to us as thyroid patients? If we are left undiagnosed for a long time, in other words, they use the, the, the silly TSH test, which is going to look normal for years. Or if we are put on meds but are put on T for only, which in all too many of us is an under-treatment. Or even if they do put us on a better treatment with desiccated thyroid, which contains all five hormones, but they don't raise it high enough, we're gonna, what happens is our adrenals kick in with more cortisol to keep us going in our hypothyroid state. So we're producing more and more cortisol to help us cope with being in a hypothyroid state. We don't always know that's happening we, we, because it, we still feel good as the cortisol is raising. So it gets higher and higher. Well, what happens next is you've maintained this high cortisol a long time because you were either undiagnosed or poorly treated. And the body does not like you maintaining high cortisol. It's damaging to maintain high cortisol for long periods of time. So what the body does, and by the way, the last chapter in the STEM2 book explains all this greatly. What the body does is start saying, okay, no more high cortisol. We're now going to lower it. So slowly but surely, your cortisol now comes down, 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 down to where now it's low cortisol. It went down too far. Now you have a whole different set of problems with low cortisol. You start making more RT3, you may start feeling anxiety, you can't raise your thyroid meds because you start having anxiety. So now that becomes a problem. And that's what happens with the adrenals for us. More than 50, you know what, by the way, again, my movement is based on observation of, the, of, of what we see in each other, what we report across the board, mostly. And we, we see that, gosh, it's higher than 50% of we feel of hypothyroid patients that get an adrenal problem. That makes sense. If someone's feeling exhausted, they're having problems remembering things, can't lose weight, uh, dry skin, high cholesterol, they wake up feeling tired, they're depressed, cranky, 
as you know, the list is long. <laughs> we both experienced it. What do you recommend they ask their doctor for? Everyone who has symptoms of hypothyroid has a challenge. And I want to add a little parenthesis. If you're waking up tired, you more likely also have an adrenal problem. Even with hypothyroid, we generally don't wake up tired. We get tired as the day goes on. But anyway, if you have what you feel are pretty clear hypothyroid symptoms, your challenge is many. Um, number one, you go to the doctor, and based on what we've learned, you're going to have to try hard to convince them, do not go just by the TSH. Because we see too many people who have a normal TSH for years with raging hypothyroid symptoms. My uh, husband's niece went 15 years with a great TSH. She was severely hypothyroid and then got an adrenal problem because she remained undiagnosed. That's the first thing. So if you're going to ask your doctor not by, to go by the TSH, what do you ask for? Here's your second problem. You're going to have to request a free T3 and a free T4. Because with many doctors, if you don't make it clear what you want, you're going to get the total T4 and the T3 uptake, and they're useless because total is measuring the total amount of bound and unbound. Free of each of those is measuring what's available for use. you got to go by what's available for use, not the total. Because you don't know how much of that is free. Then, if you suspect that you may have Hashimoto's, which is an attack on your thyroid, you got to make sure that you ask for both antibodies because doctors frequently only order one and you might be normal with one and the second one is high and you don't even know it. So you need to do both. That's anti-TPO and anti-thyroglobulin. So for the rest of it, you can go to Stop the Thyroid Madness and the page that you want to look for is called Recommended Lab Work. There's a dash. And that shows you all the labs that wise patients for the last 14 years know at the bottom, those are the ones they need to ask for. Okay, Recommended Lab Work. Very important. There's a part two to this I want to add real quickly. <laughs> Even if you can get your doctor to order the right tests, guess what? You cannot accept what they say about them when they come back. Why? Because they, the vast majority say, oh, you're normal. You just need an antidepressant. You just need to exercise more and eat less. No. What you need to do with those results, get your copy. And you have a right to a copy of your lab. Do not believe them when they say, oh, no, you have to come in first. No. Get your always, copy. always, always. I keep all my lab work. Yeah, don't do what, what, what I used to do and somebody still do is leave it all in the doctor's hands. You're going to stay sick. Get that copy. And now you go to a second page on Stop the Thyroid Madness. This is also in the odds and ends chapter of the revised book. You compare your results to what we have learned. Because we've been looking at so many results for so long that we saw, oh, here's where this not people, not this person, but people fall when they don't have this problem, when they don't have that problem. It's where you fall that counts. So go to either the lab values page on STEM or the odds and ends chapter. You know, when I was reading your book, I was so happy. Um, I've always said to my practitioners, 
my T3 needs to be in the upper end of normal. I don't do well if I'm on the low end of normal. And when I read your book and said, that's what's needed, I was like, yes, I, you know, intuitively, I just, I knew all along. And I remember, I just remembered this now, when my endocrinologist first told me that my lab work was normal, and I looked at him and I said, I feel like crap. And he said, everything's normal. And I talked to the nurse after he left the room, and she said, most people don't do well on low normal. It needs to be higher. I forgot all about that, but she told me that. I want to add something, because you're right. This is based on, not my opinion, but the observation of many of us over the years, that when we are optimal, and this is about desiccated thyroid or T3, but our T3 is at the, is at the top of the range. It's not even mid-range. It's at the top. That was a huge clue of when we became optimal. But here's a problem you need to be aware of. When you're working with a doctor and you want to get that free T3 to the top of the range, what it's going to do, it's going to suppress the TSH. That means that ink spot on a piece of paper, and I underscore that because that's all it is, is going to go below range. And you know what's going to happen because of their training? Oh, no, you're on too much. You're going to have bone loss and heart disease and calcium loss. They're going to say all that. False. Been there. We comes from Graves' disease. They're, they're, they're trained about Graves, and with Graves, it's hyperthyroid, and yes, the TSH gets low. With Graves, you get bone loss and heart disease. You could, heart damage. This is this different. Our TSH will go below the range when we're optimal, and to the contrary, 14 years of reports reveals that we get better bone density and our heart problems improve if we have them, period. Interesting. I just went through this with my general practitioner. He said, if your TSH gets too low, you know, we're going to we're going to have to do something because he's concerned about um, I forgot what heart problem he said, but, you know, some heart problem that he had with someone else. And um, and he doesn't want that to happen to me. And I just got my new lab work. My T3 is right up there in the upper level, but my TSH is too low. I'm sorry, not too low, but it, it's below normal. And I, I can't wait to hear what he's going to have to say about that. Let me tell you a second thing you need to hear. It's very important. I said that when we're optimal, our free T3 is at the top of the range. Here's a second problem that your doctor may have said that. Because if you have a cortisol problem, whether too high or too low, <clears throat> and or an iron problem, Yes, your free T3 may get to the top of the range, but then it's just pooling. It's just going high in your blood and not getting to your cells because of your cortisol and your iron problem. And you know what else can happen? You could start having heart problems. Your heart can palpitate. You can get tachycardia. You can start noticing problems. That's not because what you're on was too high. It's because desiccated thyroid or T3 is going to reveal that you have either high or low cortisol or low iron. It's revealing it. Desiccated thyroid doesn't cause that if, you, if you're trying to get on up. It reveals it. So there's two different things going on here. We get to the top of the range in the presence of good iron and good cortisol, and we feel great. If you get to the top of the range with that free T3 and you're having palpitations, tachycardia, anxiety, uh-oh, 
it's revealing that you've got a cortisol or iron problem. So you've got to lower it, do the right test for your adrenals and your iron. There's four of them, not one. Find out what's causing that, correct it before you ever again try to go up. And see, I've noticed a lot of doctors, well, I had one years ago, you are giving dangerous advice about mentioning that it should go to the top of the range because I had a patient that had to go to the emergency room. Well, that's because it was revealing she has a cortisol or iron problem. He didn't get that. So I hope that makes some sense. It, it absolutely does to me because you are you're definitely speaking directly to me because I did have low iron. I'm taking an iron supplement. My lab work from last week shows it's going up very nicely. And um, I also have uh, wacky cortisol. It tends to be low in the morning and high at night, which is the reverse of what it should be. So what can we do ourselves? We don't want to rely on the medical profession, which you've done an absolutely stellar job of not doing. <laughs> um, so what can we do ourselves? Um, you know, what, what signs can we look for? What are there like any tests we can do ourselves at home or to reveal what's going on? There are a couple things we as patients have learned that we've got to do to get well. One of them is you've got to change what happens to you when you walk into a doctor's office. You've got to quit putting all your apples in the doctor's cart. In other words, you don't walk in there anymore. Doctor, can you help me? You hear the passivity in my voice. <laughs> You got to quit doing that. You know, we were trained to do that if we're older, growing up, it's all in his his or her hands. You got to stop. What you got to do, start learning to do is become informed, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. Go in there and say, "Hi doc, now you can do this tactfully. Hey, I've been reading a lot. I've been talking to other patients. I know some of the things I want to do." And then you lay them out. Here's what I want to do. Then you say, "Can you support me?" Find out right then and there if you're going to need to fire this lousy doc or if he's going to work with you. So number one, change the way you are when you walk into that doctor's office. Number two, to get well, every patient's got to become more informed. That's why I created STEM, Stop the Thyroid Madness. I knew that no doctor is going to listen to Janie Bolthorpe. Who is Janie Bolthorpe? Uh, they're not going to listen to me, but if I educate patients and patients go in with this information, then they might start listening. And they have been to some degree. So what you do is you start reading. The revised STEM book is the first one. If it's only $19.95. It's less on Amazon. I'm serious. You need to learn this stuff. You need to learn the history, why you're being prescribed Synthroid, what changed, what we've learned to do. You need to learn it, highlight it. And some people are taking it in the office to remember. You also have the website. You need to learn it. And if you have brain fog, get your, your significant other or a friend to help you read it and go over it. Learn it because you're not going to get well unless you do. So those are the two main things. Change the way you walk into a doctor's office. Number two, get informed, which both of the books and the website help you do. Awesome. And I want to add to that because my general practitioner is not, he's on board with my doing this, but he doesn't know anything about it really. And so I'm working with an ND and an MD 
and he asked me to sign a release form so that he said he'll support me with this, but he doesn't want to be responsible for the outcome because I'm doing things that he doesn't know anything about. And I said, absolutely, sure, I will sign it. So that may be what you have to do. And I'll tell you, this book goes with me every doctor's appointment. Um, Sometimes what I've done is taken a little summary pieces and put them into a Word document and I hand that to them so that they they have a, a you know, a, a little bit uh, because I don't expect them to read the book. It would be nice, but I, I don't expect it. So I've got a little summary sheet that I've written up about it and it's all dog-eared and it's highlighted and it's honestly, it's my Bible. It really is. And I tell everybody, you know, I'm, I'm a magnet right now for people with thyroid problems. That seems to happen. You probably are too. And even the person who's working on my logo for, for my podcast, we start talking. Sure enough, she thinks she has thyroid problems. I mean, it's crazy. So what I recommend to everybody is get your book, Stop the Thyroid Madness, read it, and find a practitioner, whether it's an ND or an MD or a functional medicine doctor who is really knowledgeable about the thyroid and adrenals. It's such a complex subject and who can really, really help you and and who understands, who's read. Like my the ND that I'm working with right now, she's read your book. So yes, it's I'm really excited about that. You know, because they, they have to order the tests and stuff for you. So you want to find somebody who's who's willing to go along with, with what you want to do and help you out. I want to make a qualification. Though Stop the Thyroid Madness has done more than any other website or advocate to change the way they practice, they still are way behind. And you're, there really is no doctor out there right now that is totally informed. So it's not, you can't, you're not going to find one that's super knowledgeable about adrenals and thyroid. What you're going to find is they, a lot of them, not all, know more than they used to. You know, like what I'm noticing is that there are a lot more doctors now because of STEM who are prescribing desiccated thyroid. That's a start. But you know what they still do? They still go by the TSH or they don't understand how to raise it. That's why you got to be informed. So the bottom line is actually twofold. Number one, see if you can find a doctor who is willing to prescribe desiccated thyroid or T3. You do that. um, One of the main ways that I've done it and been successful every time is call all the pharmacies. Who's prescribing desiccated thyroid? If they tell you that's secret or private, they're totally wrong. It's patient information that's private, not knowing who's prescribing it. Number two, you are looking for a doctor that will allow you to do what you just said yours is doing, will allow you to guide some of your treatment. Here's what I want to do. Will you support me? And you look for a doctor says, yeah, I'll go along with it. That's what you're looking for because they're, they're out, they aren't. And, and boy, there's very few that know about adrenal treatment. They don't get that at all. So they're not out there. Okay. That is really, really good advice. Thank you so much. Um, I think let's wrap up with, uh, I mean, we could talk all day. This is such an important subject and maybe we can do this again. Um, But I love your website. It's so comprehensive. There's so much information on there and um, I keep going back to it. Would you tell our listeners, you know, about your website, what's there for them and what it offers for them? The website is now massive. 
It's, of course, StopTheThyroidMadness.com. It is a total compilation. Well, let's say 95% because there's some things we have to make an opinion about. We're not sure. But it, the vast majority of it is a compilation of what patients have been reporting solidly for now 14 years. Is it black and white information? No. There's always going to be gray areas. What works for the majority, we're going to see a minority who have to do it a little differently. So don't look at it that way. But it represents, ah, here's what the majority of patients have reported they had success with, how they did it, how they raised desiccated thyroid, um, how they knew when they were optimal, how they test their adrenals, how they treat their adrenals. And by the way, there's more in the revised STEM book um, about this. So it represents the majority and what they discovered. Stop the Thyroid Madness website has always been evolving. Um, I remember in the early years of its existence, um, some of the uh, some uh, certain people would criticize me for changing things on the website, and I just kind of had to laugh. I, I change things on the website because we keep learning more, <laughs> and so I'm I'm constantly listening to patients to update what I have. And the FTPO groups on Facebook, I don't run them, but they are groups that follow patient information so that you can find a link to, to them to, to get feedback. So that's what it's about. And it gives you some really basic, good, solid information for you to learn how to get better. It's an awesome website. I mean, it, to me, it's almost overwhelming. There's, there's so much there. Uh, I've, I've really learned a lot. It's really helped me. Being a low thyroid person who's been struggling for 15 years, um, I, I can't say enough about how much I appreciate what you do. And I know there are a lot of other people out there. And really, it's the it's what's pushed me to do this podcast. Um, because everywhere I go, I talk to someone who has low thyroid, they're sure they they have low thyroid, and they're not getting any help. One story I'd like to share. I was in Spokane, just a couple of months ago. And I was talking to a man, he, his dog and my dog were playing in the little play park. And he told me about his sister-in-law who lost her job, was incredibly depressed, ended up on cocaine because she had no energy to take care of her family or just, just function. It was the only thing she could come up with that could help her get some energy so she could function antidepressants, you know, the whole thing. Everybody, She thought she was crazy. Everybody thought she was crazy. It turned out she had low thyroid. And to me, that's really sad. Common. That's why Stop the Thyroid Madness exists. It's way too common. So I really, I hope that our listeners will get your book, go to your website. Now, you had said something to me, you do coaching. Could you tell us a little bit about your coaching? Or do you want not want any yeah. more clients? <laughs> I don't want any more, but it's okay. <laughs> um, it's just something I realized several years ago that uh, uh, there's so much information that people seem to need that live one-on-one -on -one for updates. And, and I don't have a gold spoon in my mouth. I have to make a living like anybody. So that's one thing I do to make a living. But it just so happens that it really benefits people. And I just share I let each person tell me what their issues are, and then I turn around, explain, and they know I'm not a doctor, that my role is to give you back 
patient, strong patient feedback on the very issues you talk about. So I give it help. I'm, I'm amazed how much those help people. Well, we're all so different. There's not a cookie cutter approach to this. You know, everybody is a unique individual. So I, I think you're, you know, being able to uh, help people one-on-one and you probably don't have to do it as an ongoing for a long time. How many sessions do you usually do with people? Oh, it, it's up to them. You know, some people, once is enough, because I always tell them you can follow up with the groups. Other people, they're having a hard time getting well and figuring things out, and they will use me multiple times. It just varies. Great. Well, thank you so much, and uh, I hope to stay connected with you. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Take care, and be well, everyone. Wow, that was a lot of important information, much of which is considered controversial by many healthcare practitioners. You know, lab work gives us important information, and I use it all the time to help me understand where I'm at in the stance of attaining optimum health. But patients reporting their symptoms and progress in relation to their lab results is really valuable information for everyone. Some would say that this is subjective and dismiss it. However, when large numbers of people keep reporting the same or similar information over and over, it just can't be dismissed, and it must be taken into consideration. Way too many people, myself included, have been told that their lab results are normal, yet they are still exhausted and depressed. I hear it all the time. We know when we're not right. Who wants to live with foggy brain, tired all the time? It can be hard to understand if you haven't been there, but I'll tell you, that life sucks. Be persistent. Hang in there. If the healthcare practitioner you're seeing isn't helping, find someone else who has more experience with thyroid and adrenal issues, who will listen to you. It can be frustrating, but I'll tell you, today I just found a healthcare practitioner who feels she can help me. She's an MD and she has experience in anti-aging medicine and endocrine system. And I'm feeling very excited. One thing that's important to do that we didn't talk about is take your temperature throughout the day. It's best to use an old-fashioned liquid thermometer. They're more accurate. You can use a digital one, but be sure to put fresh batteries in. You can go to dr rind.com, drrind.com, for instructions and print off a chart to mark your temps. I'll have a link in the show notes. Are your temps consistently below normal? Remember, normal is 98.6. If they are, your metabolism is too low and you very well may have low thyroid. Mine has been known to run between 95.5 and 97.8. No wonder I feel cold all the time and don't have any energy. It's my understanding that if your temps are below normal but consistent, that indicates low thyroid. If they're below normal but bouncing up and down, then adrenal fatigue gets factored in too. If they are consistently above normal, that's hyperthyroid. Here's how it works. Your temp is a result of your metabolism. Your metabolism depends on how much energy your cells can produce. In order to produce energy, enzymes are needed to catalyze the chemical reactions in the cells. 
When your body temp is at 98.6, enzymes are happiest and function optimally. If your temp is below normal, enzymes contract and they can't do their job very well. If your temp is above normal, the enzymes expand and they can't do their job very well either. Oh, and if anyone asks you if you're getting enough exercise, do your best to restrain yourself. Don't slap them. People do not realize that when your energy is seriously low and you're pushing yourself to do whatever you can manage, you don't have the reserves to be out jogging and doing jazzercise. I was doing an aerobic exercise called Nia. I loved it. It was really fun, and I felt really good when I did it. But when I started having these thyroid problems, I I had to stop. It started exhausting me too much. I just felt lousy afterwards. So no aerobics with low thyroid. That's just my opinion anyway. It's just too taxing. You don't have it in you. I started doing Pilates and yoga instead, and that's worked really well for me. Finally, folks, it's all a journey. You keep doing the best you can. Try what makes sense to you. Keep educating yourself. Get help figuring out what works best for you. When it comes to medicine, there is a reason it's called a practice. Medicine is a practice. No two people are alike. We're not cookie cutters. Everyone is unique. What works for me may not work for you. And what works when you are younger may need to be changed as you age or are going through a stressful time. I hope this helps some of you. I'll keep you all posted as to my progress. I want to thank Janie for taking the time to be here and sharing. I learned oodles, and I hope you did too. If you would like to learn more about Stop the Thyroid Madness, please go to our blog, www.realjanine.com. My next guest will be Lion Goodman, creator of the Clear Beliefs Process. So be there or be square. Be well, and above all, be real. That brings us to the end of our show. I hope you found something of value that you can use in your life. Thanks for listening. The Keeping It Real with Janine podcast comes out every two weeks. Questions, comments, or podcast topic ideas? We'd love to hear from you. Email at realjanine at gmail.com or Twitter at realjanine. Remember to spell Janine correctly, J-A-N-E. Check out the show notes, extras, and bonus recipes at our blog, realjanine.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Be well.